This episode is brought to you by the Nordstick, the number one way to train your hamstrings anywhere at any time. The number one injury burden in the game of soccer is, you guessed it, hamstring injury. What better way to prevent this than using the Nordstick? From endless Nordic curl variations for your hamstrings, to other lower body exercises, to even upper body and core exercises, you name your goal and the Nordstick can help you get there. Use the link in the description to learn more and get 10% off. Once again, use the link in this episode's description for 10% off. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to this latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience with our World Cup special promo. Throughout this entire month, we're going to have some amazing special guests that are going to be giving you some insight on the leading cutting edge that are happening in the world of soccer sports medicine as well as performance. Uh, Today, we have a really cool interview from Vald. His name is Gabriel, and he's going to talk to us about everything that Vald has to offer, as well as how to implement everything in their suite in a soccer-specific setting. So I think we're going to have some really great conversations here, and thank you all for listening. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to this latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It is me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Gabriel. Gabriel, how are you doing today, man? Welcome to the podcast. I'm doing well, Andy. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Um, I'm excited. Excited to just chat all things applied science and soccer. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Why don't you start by telling the listeners where you're from, your background, and what you do right now? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I am actually originally from Brazil, um, born and raised there, and then kind of moved here to the U.S. when I was in high school when I was 15 um, and did obviously my schooling here from undergrad to to graduate school, my DPT. Um, and then um, from then on, moved into kind of sort of clinical practice and ultimately disunited, right? Kind of emerged myself into pro soccer from, to be honest, from the beginning. Um, and then spent about 10 plus years, 10 and a half years there at DC, um, as you know, physical therapist, and then kind of multiple roles, director of physical therapy to head of performance, to head of rehab and sports science. So kind of wore many hats in that kind of sense. Um, but yeah, you know, seem kind of see myself as kind of just an applied clinician, right? Applied science, applied clinician that, you know, likes to to sort of use data to make data-driven and informed decisions. Um, and then, um, you know, had three kids and that lifestyle in pro soccer um, got a little bit tough. So I uh, left, left the gig and then joined Vault, right? My passion for, for again, this kind of data approach um, just led me, led me to Vault, systems that we used there at DC for, for, for a long time um, and that I had helped implement. Um, and now... And now here I am, I, you know, kind of work with Vald and I'm also an adjunct faculty here at George Mason University, um, just with their graduate Kinesi program. Um, but yeah, that's, a, I guess, a quick little snippet about myself. Nice. Cool. I, I kind of want to explore that a little bit. You, you mentioned one thing that I definitely want to um, get your insight on, because I, I think the difference is important. Data driven versus data informed. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's they kind of go hand in hand, right? Like it, it's um, I like to use technology and data as a way of just making informed 
and, and better and informed decisions, right? Um, they're, they're, and, and this is, I think, uh, an interesting topic because we see a lot of folks being fearful or kind of scared of tech being replacing the clinician, right? You see a lot of these, um, a lot of technology now, especially with AI and saying like, hey, we can kind of come up with these predictive models and these kind of black box approaches of just saying, boom, dump, dump data in there and we'll give, give you cookie cutter answers. Um, and that's one thing that I actually, it's kind of cool and, and Vault prides itself in and which is obviously a big, why well, I'm a big kind of believer in now work for them is, is being able to say, hey, these are tools that give you objective data on things that you would want to measure, right? Um, it's not making decisions for you. It's helping you inform to make decisions, right? You still have to wear your clinical hat, still clinical judgment, decision making, all that, that whole, the processing has to still has to occur. But it is, again, it's giving you what's what's out there. If it's in forced production, asymmetry, uh, you know, whatever you're looking at, it's it's just giving you live data that you can then either plot longitudinally, uh, make inferences over time, and then kind of track changes, right? And to monitor through rehab, which I think is, is kind of the, the, the cool thing. So for me, it's kind of, as clinicians, instead of, again, relying on maybe a lot of subjective reporting, right, which a lot of times I think we do. Hey, how do you feel? Great. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, let's let's get out there and let's try this. Now we can at least say, hey, I have data to support maybe, you know, this, this, this muscle joint, whatever, can tolerate this much. And so at least we can expose you to that kind of stimuli, right? And then slowly, mm. I guess, start start pushing. And for me, I always like to think and, you know, concept that a lot of folks have, will talk about, and it's kind of an envelope of function, right? And what you can tolerate, what say tissue, um, whatever it is, structure can tolerate or the system itself can tolerate. And then we're just kind of slowly, we know where that threshold is. Well, now let's just kind of slowly push it, let's push it up or to the side, wherever it is that um, making it, kind of bigger, I guess, right? Allowing you to, to say, okay, let's make you more resilient and robust, um, being able to tolerate whatever it is, more load, um, exposure to this, vol velocities and these kinds of things, right? Mm. So yeah, um, I don't know if I went off on a tangent there, but uh, but yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> again, it's, it's, it's using data just to inform, inform your decision-making, right? Um, should I, where should I go to next, right? Or should I go this route or that route? Well, I know from the data, they can tolerate this much. So I'll stay within here. Now I've seen that they've progressed and bumped up maybe another notch. Well, now we can expose them to something else, right? If it is from like extensive to intensive plyos to low to high force production act activities to whatever it is, um, at least there is a reference point for you to kind of start kind of moving that, that over. Hmm. Now, that it does. It does. And why don't we also chat a little bit about what Vald is as a company and what you guys do and, and why? Because I think some of the things that you just mentioned really plays into your overall philosophy. So just tell yeah. us in general, like, what is Vault? Yeah, uh, well, Vault is, uh, it's, you know, Australian based company, you know, founded in 2015. Um, and again, like from from research itself, right? Um, 
Norboard was the first system, and it's where it was con conceived at QUT there in, uh, in, in Australia. And um, right, they were looking for a way to, to measure eccentric knee flexor strength or force production. Um, and they came up with the concept of the Norboard. And it was something that it was, it's really interesting because then like, obviously during the research process, took it overseas, took it to the EPL, showed it around kind of trying, trying to gather data and build, build a data set. And, and, you know, um, you know, EPL teams were like, Hey, we, we love this. Why, how do we get this? Right. So obviously Vald, Vald then commercialized it, uh, created the Norboard, um, became such a, a big thing. And then it was the next thing was like, you know, and, and, and a lot of this stem from soccer. The next thing was like, Hey, that's great. This helps us with the, the kind of hamstring issues that we're dealing with, how to measure, how to, how to, how to monitor, how to profile that kind of stuff. Well, we also have issues with, you know, a lot of adductor related issues. You guys have something for that. And I was like, we don't, but we'll develop one. Um, and that's where the growing bar and then force frame came in. Um, so Vault again, is a kind of a human measurement tech company, right? Stemming from a lot of research. It's got this crazy multidisciplinary team that now, you know, it went from Norboard to Force Frame to 3D motion capture with human track to Force decks, right? Our Force Plates um, to, you know, Smart Speed now in a handheld dynamometer to, you know, BFR cuffs. Um, so it's, 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 again, this human, human measurement tech company just, just, again, trying to give clinicians and practitioners a way to, to, kind, of, to kind of measure right? Mm. Being able to, to, to measure and being able to test, retest, um, profile, stratify, monitor, screen, that kind of stuff. Um, and help make better, better informed decisions, right? Again, I always like to, to use that because that's, I think, I think it, it's always just kind of sort of guiding decision making. Um, should I go this route or that route? Um, should we go up or should we go down kind of thing, right? Like, um, but yeah. No. I think that's great. And how, I, I mean, from our perspective, we're both physical therapists and you've definitely kind of explored more ends of the spectrum than I am. Um, I'm very curious to hear a lot of these products that are coming out now, right? They're being first being used and developed for pro sports. And then eventually it's like, okay, we use it at the professional level. Let's kind of expand to, I don't know, semi-pro amateur academy. And now we're seeing more in physical therapy clinics, we're seeing maybe some stuff that could be applicable in like doctor's offices, and maybe even more. So how are you guys kind of navigating going from strictly high level sports, such as the EPL and expanding and going past that into other populations? Yeah, no, and that's and that's that's interesting, because it, it is actually a route that now Vald itself, right, started, like you said, in that performance pro sports realm. Um, blew up there and then in the collegiate setting as well um and now it's trickling down or seeping into that that kind of healthcare health field um which is crucial and it's important um just because right as a physical therapist and maybe you know within your clinic and i'm sure other tons of pts out there are seeing athletes um and not at, not only athletes but again patients clients that need a return back to whatever level of activity they were doing before, right? If it's sports, if it's work, um, whatever. Um, and, and what we're seeing is again, 
I want to be able to implement the same kind of things that are being, being used at, 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 at the high level. Right. Um, so, so what, what we made is just, we, we made it then accessible for, for small clinics, for hospitals. And that's what we're starting to see, right? Like, again, application of these things aren't just for your high elite, a high performance elite level kind of athlete, right? If you think of a handheld dynamometer to a fixed frame dynamometer to even force plates, right? It's applicability. Like you said, is they're, they're huge. Again, folks think, think of force plates as, you know, it's this ballistic dynamic, you know, for kind of tasks that I'm going to do if it's, you know, CMJs, drop jumps, single leg drop jumps, all this kind of stuff. But I think of it, again, now that they're portable, they're not stuck in a lab. I think of it, hey, maybe it's Miss Jones, you know, she's 60, 70 years old, has back pain, and she's coming into the clinic. And then what we're trying to do is just get maybe, you know, objective measures of Miss Jones and in, in intake baseline, you know, week one, and then seeing her progress over time. So um, that same concept, again, like a lot of folks think, hey, say the IMTP, isomethi pole, right? Thought of this like crazy test, 1RM, kind of almost like replacing the 1RM, only done in the kind of pro rugby NFL setting. Um, mm-hmm. But no, again, the bar is fixed. Self-limiting isometric test. Miss Jones just stands on the platforms, right, on, on the dual force plates. And it's like, okay, Miss Gr- Jones, grab the bar and then just pull as hard as, hard as you can. You feel comfortable. Yep. Self-limiting test, right? So she could pull... 60 newtons of force right but at least you have a benchmark this is week one this is how much pain she has this is how much force she can produce again this is a kind of mid-thigh pull so it's almost like mimicking that lower chain pull pattern right uh, you can think of a deadlift or anything like that um and then you can then easily say okay miss jones let's look at week two what do you look like and maybe her pain's the same but now she's pulling 120 newtons week three her pain kind of stays about the same or drops. Now she's pulling 200 newtons. Like mm. the power of that, I think for the, the, the patient itself and for us as clinicians, right? Like, cause the, there are times that, Hey, maybe we can't, we can't modulate pain. We can't just use pain as this kind of currency of rehab. Right. But being able to say, Hey, it's Jones, but look how much more force you're able to apply. Look what you can do. Like now let's, let's attempt to see what it's like, you know, for you to pick something up. Right. And suddenly, again, this kind of fear avoidance, um, pain, low tolerance, all these kind of things come into play where now you're 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 able to progress outside of just kind of the typical things that you look at. The same thing there is, Miss Jones, let's look at your squat pattern. Right. And it could be a bodyweight squat. It could be, you know, holding a little dumbbell. It could be a loaded. You can manipulate velocities. Hey, Miss Jones, let's do a balance test. Right. Um, same kind of thing. Double leg, single leg. Um, looking at center of pressure, all these kind of things that you can start to see if whatever you start implementing, does it then, does it then improve? Does it change? Right. Obviously we're always looking to improve. So it's, these systems are just now there available for folks to be able to measure, right. Being able to test, intervene, retest and use it in intervention itself. Right. I could do, you know, if it's not Miss Jones, if maybe it's now, you know, Johnny, who's 15 year old soccer player just suffered a knee injury or something, you could have them say, again, do a squat, a loaded squat. And now you're looking at, again, asymmetries within different phases. Maybe he looks really good concentrically, but in the eccentric kind of loading phase, right? That sort of negative phase, 
he really offsets and biases his uninvolved side. Mm -hmm. So then that cues you to, okay, first of all, see what kind of load he stays within good, good, good symmetry, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not overloading him maybe in a bilateral squat because he could be, you could be giving him a squat and he's just offsetting by 30% one side. And then you're, you're increasing load in the squat thinking, oh boy, he's getting stronger, 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 but he's still, you know, 30% loading one side more than the other. Think about obviously the asymmetries that that will continue to create. Um, so again, it's applications are huge, dynamometers, all this kind of stuff, even timing gates at times, right? Like I've seen folks use it for a time, get up and go, which is oh, kind of yeah. kind of crazy, right? Like you think of just yeah. like, oh, it's a 30 meter, a 40 yard sprint, five, 10, five, and this kind of stuff, but applicable within clinical settings with say like a 505, looking at change of direction, one side compared to the other, right? Say post ACL, how do you load that penultimate step going one way and going the other? And then looking at, can you get out of the hole quick on one side and maybe on that involved side, it's slow. And you can also track mm -hmm. those changes over time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, obviously the applicability is just is just kind of huge. And what's neat is that it's just accessible these days, right? So again, not stuck in a lab. It's not crazy expensive. So um, we're starting to see more and more clinics from hospitals to now, obviously clinics as well, wanting to 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 also be data driven and informed, right? Like also trying to say, hey, maybe this person is good to go, or maybe we should hold. I mean, we should you know, hold to them a little bit longer, train them a little bit longer. Right. Um, and we're even seeing some stuff, some people put out stuff of saying like, Hey, looking at it, Hey, maybe, maybe, you know, these patients should go to this kind of, you know, uh, an assisted living facility mm -hmm. or based on say power output on a squat, or they're mm -hmm. better suited to be independent on them by themselves. Right. So this yeah. is where I think specific force plates can be really, really neat. It's starting it to see more in that acute setting instead of just like the, again, the kind of very sports specific one that we think of. Um, it's just adding measurement to things that we already do. A sit to stand, mm. a squat, you know, those kind of things that like, again, the plates analyzes and detects and you can easily, you know, tease out where, where exactly do we see some level of impairment, dysfunction or whatever it is. Um, and that's what's kind of neat. And now even combining, say, plate, the plates now even have a, a, a time sync video, too. So eventually it's yeah. kinetics, right? Yeah. So that's that's what, once you kind of have those two together, that's a, that's beautiful, right? Saying, hey, yeah. this is the amount of force output. This is what it looks like kinematically. This is week one, week two, week three, week four, and gathering data points over time. Yeah, and that's actually one of the coolest things that, that I've really seen is, I mean, we've all been there as a clinician, you know, somebody's doing a unilateral squat, you're taking a video, you're like, wait, let me rewind, let's put it slow-mo, let's drag back and forth. Uh -huh. But now this is like, now you're, you're improving care and saving time and simplifying your processes because that's saved, right? You can yep. go point by point, frame by frame, see exactly the force output, like side by side. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's a no brainer, but, um, no, I, I think, I think, yeah. And then obviously there'll be more innovation in that space. I think it's specifically as, um, right now, obviously you say with force X itself, force X vision, right. It's with an iPad as these cameras get even, even better, like, holy smokes. I, obviously the capabilities are going to be 
sort of sort of endless in that sense um, as we continue to in- innovate and tech continues to innovate then that's where it's going to be cool right to say hey this was squat again kinetics and kinematics this data point at this time frame time point right like and now here and now here um, and it's not only for you but it, again eventually for for even referring clinic physicians and things like that right like mm-hmm. and this is where technology can really help set a lot of places apart in that sense of like, holy smokes, hey, they're doing that, right? They're doing some of the kind of cutting edge stuff that even then physicians are going to be like, hey, I want to send them to, 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 to you because yeah. hey, I'm able to at least the reports are coming out saying um, it's not just hey, progressing well, whatever, right? Like here it is week one, week two, week three, week four, that, that kind of stuff that I think is so powerful for mm-hmm. us, for the patients, clients. And obviously for whoever else is are in making decision, a physician, coach, whoever, right? Um, and, and at times it can be a tough decision. I'll say that, right? Like uh, now I, I've even been in, in situations where it's like, hey, coach, I'm good to go. You know, players are t- saying they're good to go. Um, certain things are checking off, but there's certain things that I still want to tick off. And I'm like, hey, look, based on the data, we probably should hold them off, you know, another week or not expose them to this, this and that. And that can be tough, but once there's buy-in within the, the culture itself, there's an understanding that, hey, we're just, again, trying to make better decisions and not just go with the old, hey, I'm good to go, you know, get out there, hammy again, or, you know, retear, injury, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So Now, so you've worked in soccer before all this happened, and now mm-hmm. you've seen the whole kind of explosion of sports technology and performance what are some kind of practical ways specifically in the soccer setting that you've changed the way you've, you've treat or analyze or, or have a player go from acute injury all the way through performance? Like what's, what specifically in your processes have changed? No, I would say this. And one of the biggest things to be honest, and I think most PTs are, 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 are somewhat culpable of, to be, <laughs> to be frank is, is underloading. Right. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, again, like, you know, you'll get a patient. We're basing it so much on pain. Right. Oh, well, this is pain free. We're going to keep doing. It. So it just gets to the point that we're we're barely hitting the surface. And and again, I think I think I, I had mentioned that that whole concept of, of envelope of function. Right. So say envelope of function was this this much prior to injury. Right. Kind of this high or whatever um, injury occurred. Now we're underloading them, meaning, you know, their envelope of function is going to start adapting and it's going to get smaller, smaller, and smaller. Mm-hmm. And then all we're saying is like, again, hey, they feel good. They look good. So they're good to go. Right. Um, but then you get out there, the demands of the game or work or whatever it is, is again, it's back here where it was before. So, but they've almost detrained. Obviously they feel good and now say, hey, get out there. Um, so tech has allowed us, I think, to say, shoot, these, first of all, being able to measure the demands of, of the sport game capacity of these athletes, patients, and now being able to say, okay, once an injury occur occurs, we can, we have to gradually bring them up there. And then it's always manipulating how, how gradual is that, right? How sharp can we create kind of this? The, the, the curve to get up there. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then it's saying now we have to load them pretty well within that zone, if not even higher than where we were before, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, no, it's it's great because it's forced, I think, everyone practitioners just to say maybe what we were doing prior wasn't enough, right? And it had to change, I think, specifically at, at times is this kind of, again, the, this idea, I think, of underloading that that's very dangerous, right? And we see that a lot. I think, I, I don't know how many, how many, you know, PTs and, you know, rehab specialists see patients constantly coming back for the same injury. Um, obviously, there's so many factors, right? We can't, we can't like put a finger on one thing. But a lot of times is for me is, is probably that concept that we didn't push them hard enough, at times not early enough, and then didn't progress fast enough to, to get them where they need to be, and then spend a lot of time there at the top, right? Uh, a lot of times, we're, we're, I think we're, 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 you know, culprit of just saying, oh, we got there, but we tested one time, gave them one exposure, one stimulus, or a couple of them, where again, now they have to sustain that for months or years or whatever it is, right? So it's, again, this acute chronic building of chronic load early and maintaining chronic load high early so that we don't fall into the same kind of as we did before. Mm. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll kind of review everything that Vault has to offer in terms of the products and services. And we can hopefully answer any questions that anybody has. So we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Team Builder. If you're a physical therapist, fitness coach, or personal trainer, you need to know that Team Builder is the number one app for exercise prescription. Whether you're working with a few clients one-on-one as a side hustle or you're working with hundreds of athletes in an academy setting, there's no better app to prescribe exercises for remote or in-person training than Team Builder. As someone who's used Team Builder for over two years, I can wholeheartedly say it saves me time and helps my clients perform at their best. As a bonus, Team Builder is offering a 12-week soccer strength and conditioning program that comes with your 14-day free trial. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing risk of injury. Head over to teambuilder.com and sign up with the code SFE to get started. Vitruve is a reliable, affordable, and easy-to-use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about Vitruve today. Okay, we are back on the soccer fitness experience again here with Gabriel. Um, so many products. And I, I think the number one thing that PTs have seen and that PTs have really been excited about is this Dynamo thing. Um, wh- why don't you tell us what it's about, how we can use it, and just give us some general info? Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, yeah, the Dynamo is the latest release, right, within the Vault Suite, which is which is kind of neat. Um, obviously, we had the force frame for a long, long time, but obviously, you know, weighing about 62 pounds, at times, it, it's tough to move from clinic to clinic to, you know, location to location. Um, and folks were really adamant about, you know, how can we get a, a portable handheld 
dynamometer. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so then we developed in-house. And now what we have is uh, the neatest thing is this kind of almost three in one, right? It's kind of, it's a push and a pull. So it's got compression and tension um, based dynamometry. So you'll have load cells in there. And it's also got a, it also has a nine axis IMU in there. So think of it as almost a digital, digital inclinometer, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the last one I think is the, the inclusion of an attachment that makes it also a grip strength um, kind of dynamometer, right? So you, you got kind of those, those three components that now you can test anything from, again, inline knee extension, right? Which I'm sure everyone, you know, most PTs that work with knees and sports are always like, oh, I need to get a quad index. Let me get a knee extension test. And anyone that's had, you know, compression-based dynamometers in the past and are trying to fight that, that, that knee extension limb, that, that the amount of torque yeah. that those, those clinicians say, or the, the patients are creating, you can't keep up, right? So, um, so very unreliable testing. Um, so now being able to, hey, have an ankle strap in, you set it up in a tension base, set it up the same way every time, that 90, 60, whatever angle vector force you're trying to create. And now you can track that over time. And I think the mm. coolest thing too, what makes it cool is not just like, again, being able to interchange from compression to, to tension, to grip, to range of motion, but is that all this data is then saved, you know, in a centralized platform, right? So I can say, hey, I'm going to test Andy. I'm going to test his hip abduction, his hip external rotation, and his knee extension strength. And you can do that with just a few clicks of a button within the app. And then that data is immediately available there on the spot, right? Showing you asymmetries, uh, referencing either a previous test or a personal best. So you can also already start making decisions on the spot. Hey, this is better than last time we tested. We can push you maybe a little bit more this week. Um, And then that's just kind of pushed up to the cloud. And then in the cloud, you can say, hey, let me look at, maybe you have 10 visits that you've tested those three data points. And now you can look at that simultaneously, right? And say, mm-hmm. hey, how 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 much has your hip abduction, external rotation, and knee extension improved over these last ten weeks, right? What's the percent change? Um, how much have we improved asymmetry and balance? Those kind of things. Um, so that's yeah. that's kind of the beauty of the Dynamo. Again, integrating data just straight into a cloud that then it saves you time. I think. At least for me as a clinician in the past, when I didn't have this kind of stuff, I would, hey, okay, let me look at peak force. There it is. Let me write it down. Um, And then I'd have these little pieces of paper everywhere, right? And then try to put it in an Excel sheet, try to create a, you know, uh, a pivot table, pivot chart, these kind of things to be able to plot it out um, and maybe send to a physician and things like that. And that is just time consuming, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure as clinicians, no one has that kind of time. Um, So it's, hey, select the name. The test, test, boom, there it is. It's saved and it's available right there for you on the spot, right? Um, so that's that's kind of the beauty there. Nice. What about yeah. the um, the air bands and what sets those apart in regards to any other blood flow restriction kind of platform? Yeah, I, I think if anything is that it's uh you know, it's the old it's it's Bluetooth wireless, right? So mm-hmm. you're not you're not you're not tethered to a machine or anything like that. Um, right. So it, it's got, it's got its own sensors inside that will measure AOP the, um, give you the measurement and then you decide what thresholds you want to work at. Right. So again, if it's the typical 50% of 
AOP at the, at the arm or, you know, um, 80% in the legs or whatever it is, 70, however you want to manipulate that, you can. Um, so then you're not connected to anything and you can do anything, you know, whatever it is. Because obviously we've seen folks, hey, I want to not only do my, my, you know, heavy, slow resistance or loading or whatever, my typical protocol, but uh, I want to do uh, this on the field or on the court or, you know, um, and, and kind of have, have some of that, th- those responses, hormonal metabolites, all that kind of stuff, all within a task specific, uh, uh, kind of environment. Right. So I think that's, that's I, one of the biggest things is, is just being able to be free from, from anything else and, and, and kind of being able to do maybe more sports or task specific things that, that, that maybe some other ones don't allow. Right. Um, but, but that's the neat thing, right? Measuring pressure itself, being able to then configure and, and, and modulate, okay, what's, where do I want to work in kind of what zones and then get after it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of, that's kind of the neat thing there. Yeah. Now a few other things we, we talked a good bit about the four stacks so far. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of just rattle off maybe a few ways a physical therapist and let's say a multidisciplinary clinic can kind of implement it with different populations? Yeah, no, cool. Um, yeah. So obviously, like, like I said, I think from anything from, you know, your fall risk geriatric folks, right. Cause we can, we can easily just do, Hey, again, a, a quiet stance balance, right. To then maybe a tandem stance to then a single leg to then a, a simple sit to stand test, right. A squat assessment, those kind of things, or even some force, capacity ones like the INTP, right? Um, to then going the completely the other spectrum, right? And then you can say, hey, from the COP based ones, the center of pressure ones, can you fit in other other neurological, vestibular, that kind of stuff where now you're assessing, giving objective data to again, what 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 are we looking at at here the posterior, medial the lateral, mean velocities of that center of pressure, total excursion, total area of the lips, that kind of stuff, right? But then you can then move obviously all the way to the other side of the spectrum that might be again this kind of elite sport weekend warrior and saying like hey now we can go say again we give the example of acl we can go not only from a bilateral squat to then a unilateral squat to then now a single leg iso squat right where you can look at low tolerance and capacity of the knee in that iso squat position to then Hey, let's go bilateral jump, single leg jump, single leg uh, drop jump now, you know, based on some of that Katsufaki research from earlier this year that, you know, I think is super, super cool to see, again, the contribution of the knee in the kind of propulsive phase of horizontal functional hopping is actually mm-hmm. not as great as we thought, right? It's, it's kind of mm-hmm. super low there. Um, yes, it's there in the deceleration phase, but what we're measuring is the distance, which is in the propulsive yeah. phase. So mm-hmm. you can easily use hip and knee, which are the ones being used the most to, to kind of get there and kind of get a good LSI. And that was what's neat from Katsafaki's papers. Then, hey, well, we're going to get that same group of ACL folks. Now let's test those that passed. I think it was an LSI of 97%, right? Mm-hmm. Um, look great, criteria-based, 97%. Now let's test them single leg jump and single leg drop jump where contributions mm-hmm. of the knee is much higher, more in the 30s. And what those folks that were at 97, those ACLR folks at 97, now their LSI for, for, you know, um, single leg jump and single leg drop jump 
He's low 80s, I believe 82. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's a single leg jump around 82, low 80s. And then the drop jump, which now is a reactive strength test, right? And again, that correlates more, again, with the fast SSC, change of direction, sprinting, that kind of stuff, was in mm-hmm. the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. And again, these are folks that were cleared to play, right? Yeah. Based on horizontal hopping, based on, at times, a quad index, right? Mm-hmm. Um so again, and that's where again rate of rate of force development, how you apply force, you know, can you apply it really, really fast? And now obviously more context specific to the knee, which again on a vertical jump, if you don't, if you can't get knee excursion, then you can't propulse yourself up. You can use a lot of hip strategy, but you won't get a lot of height, you won't get a lot of power, that kind of stuff. So you can't hide it, right? Where again in the horizontal hopping, if one doesn't use any qualitative assessment right of like hey that's a hip strategy that's a co-contracted hip strategy that's not good and they just base it on scores that they'd say oh that acl is good to go yeah Um, so so that's kind of the neat thing and then from the other thing is it's not a lower body lower body only right from push-ups to plyo push-up to a ti and y test for the shoulder um and obviously some folks get really creative and do all kinds of other testing um, you can run general force time analysis, right? You can run whatever you want. Again, you're getting Z, Z forces or vertical forces. You can run whatever you want. We have specific tests that it auto detects and analyzes, but like, again, possibilities are, are kind of endless in that, in that sense. But it's, it's again, looking at a lot of things, especially as clinicians looking at, again, not only force production, but the biggest thing is this asymmetry in bilateral and unilateral tasks, right? Mm-hmm. And giving you again, results like that. Hey, this is 15% off. This is 20% asymmetry during this phase, but it, you know, neutralizes in this phase, you know? Oh, nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what would you, and we, we kind of just discussed about it earlier of the idea of data holding PTs accountable, right? Uh-huh. Of, you know, we, we try an intervention for weeks and weeks and we want to really know if it works. Um, right. As kind of like a closing, what advice would you give to PTs or PT clinics or hospitals or anyone really who is a little bit hesitant to, to get back into data, um, to, to really see those numbers and change decisions off it. Like what, what kind of advice do you have for them? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I know it's tough and it can be a daunting, like no one, no one, um, no one likes to know that they've been doing something wrong. Right. And, And not necessarily wrong, but maybe not as effective. Right. Um, and and I, again, I was culprit of that myself, right. Prior to, again, being able to use tech myself um, to kind of profile monitor, special, specifically monitor changes over time. I didn't know. Um, and then suddenly it's like this, like, oh boy, like, again, I've been loading, maybe it's a hamstring, been loading the hamstring the same way for, you know, whatever, six weeks. And now it's time to return to play or whatever it is. And it's like, ooh, our outputs are still the same as it was, you know, four weeks ago or even from the beginning. So um, I, I guess the biggest thing is, is, is kind of don't be fearful. Like I, I, it's, it's a great way for, for, to kind of, for me, professional development, right? Like in the sense of mm-hmm. like, and then, and then, um, and then kind of just staying, just kind of staying up with the times, but saying like, Hey, I, whatever I was doing before maybe wasn't good enough. Let me tweak it a little bit. Let me modify it. And then you maybe start seeing, hey, my, my, my interventions, my treatments are just way more effective, right? Instead mm-hmm. of, again, kind of plateauing for a while 
and then saying, oh, now we got to do something different and then plateauing again for a while. Um, obviously, the course of rehab is never a kind of a straight, straight, beautiful line, right? Um, but it's at least being able, it will at least give you some insight of like, hey, maybe we can push a little bit more. Or maybe, hey, let's, 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 let's modulate again density of, of my program. The exercise selection might be fine. It's just something within it itself need, needs to needs to change, right? To to, to, it, oops, to get a little uh, to get a little more adaptation. Um, mm. But but yeah, I mean it, it, that's the thing. Uh, applying tech and obviously learning something new at times can be like, oh man, this is time consuming. I don't have time for this. But I mean, I, if it, if it's gonna help you, if it's gonna help you, but ultimately help your patient, I think that's that's a no brainer. Right. Like, mm. again, they they're entrusting you in, in care. Um, um, right. You don't want to go to a PT or a doctor that that's going to give you, you know, suboptimal care. Right. Uh, so they're entrusting you that, hey, this this person's going to help me. So it's, it's a way of just just trying to be more effective and more efficient um, and, 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 and hopefully getting better results. Right giving you insights into what, what, what kind of changes you need to make within, within, within your practice, your decision-making to, 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 to have better outcomes. Um, and then the, the beauty is then lining that up with maybe patient reported outcomes, right? Which is something actually Vault Hub now does as well. Um, it's kind mm -hmm. of a new feature, which is kind of cool. So like you can kind of marry that. What is maybe like, you know, uh, uh you know, a coos looks looks like, and then a knee extension and like single leg jump looks like over time. Mm, you see mm -hmm. improvements now in the subjective, you know, reported outcomes, and then what does it look like objectively as well, right? So, um, tracking kind of both longitudinally, I think, is really really powerful as clinicians and as patients. Like, hey, this is where we started. This is where we are now, right? Um, mm. Which mm -hmm. I, I don't, yeah, and that's I, I don't know how that falls even within like third-party payers and, you know, insurance companies and things like that, being able to justify certain things as well, right? Like, hey, this is where we we are. This is where we still need to go, maybe, right? Um, but, but yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's, again, this wave that it's, it's changing the world. It's changing the way uh, clinicians, PTs now are, are kind of practicing, which is, uh, which is cool to see, because then hopefully, to be honest, my, 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 my hope with all of this is that more and more clinicians pump out um, case studies, case yeah. series, this yeah. kind of stuff, right? Because we don't have a lot of applied studies, right? That is like, again, in clinic applied in the sense that it's not like stuck in a lab somewhere, very specific, not generalized to anyone. Um, because I think we, we had talked about before, like, hey, if we wait for RCTs, we're going to be waiting forever. Uh, yeah, if that's yeah. the only thing that's going to change your drive, your decision-making, like we're, we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be stuck in the same place for forever. Right. Um, so yeah. the more and more folks can create their own data sets from their own cohorts um, and start making inferences and seeing like, Oh, maybe this works. Maybe this doesn't work. That's the, that's the beauty of objective data is that, it can, especially when it's collected, centralized in a place, you can you can look at it over time and say, "Ooh, this worked. This didn't work. Uh, maybe we should do more of this." Um, um, so, yeah, that's that's that's. I think that's that's the way we're we're trending. That's the way healthcare I think is going. 
Um, obviously, performance sports science, that's the way it's it's been now for, for a little bit. And it's with innovation and tech, I think it's only going to going to keep going up from there. Yeah. And and that's massive. I, I think it's a really good point to, to recognize that we we do have a lot of appreciation for research in our field, but we also we can't wait. Right. Like it takes forever to get approval for a paper, even longer to actually go through the process and then publication is it's all and it doesn't even get published. You know, it's Absolutely. it's a lot, you know, and oftentimes like most PTs, we see the same general population. Right. So there's really no reason why, you know, I can go into work and I can get 15 knee extension strength measures on, you know, a bunch of athletes. It's, it's not difficult. Um, right. No, you don't have to wait for, you know, for, I don't know, Aspire and Qatar or some other yeah. organization to make your own data sets, right? You can just make your own. Exactly. And, and that's the thing, like you would, the, the, and it's not just our company, right. But, but obviously what, what Vault does really well again, is that like, Hey, we can integrate data and, and say if you have multiple clinics and all that data can be kind of pulling in one database that then like that, that's, that's the beauty of it. And then you can say within your companies, this is what we're starting to see. Um, and then hopefully folks push that out. And it's what we see now in social media, right? And in Instagram and in Twitter of, of, of folks just showing, Hey, this is how we treat ACLs. This is what we do. So and 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 now it's just saying here's here's the data to support it as well, right? Mm, uh, mm-hmm. So that's I think that's 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 crucial. Having folks do stuff in house um, and not again rely on these major universities to to again. There's a lot more clinicians than there are researchers out there, you know. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So why why can't we all be you know our own kind of applied researchers? in clinic um and and again like i'm 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 a big big fan of hey little case studies because it gives us a true live look of how to treat someone in clinic right like um and and yeah i think i think i think if more folks have that mindset um our profession our field itself is only going to advance it's only going to move forward right um mm-hmm. Yeah, because what that I think feel I feel like that at times that can be our, our field has been kind of stuck a little bit and it like it sometimes needs a little nudge and it's like okay hey let's 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 move forward with the times and, and tech is here. Um, no one likes to write things down, notes and all this kind of stuff. So obviously, the more it starts integrating into EMRs and that kind of stuff, like obviously, uh, the 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 better it will be, so that you can spend more time treating. Um, and assessing and treating and making decisions instead of just writing notes and all this kind of stuff, right? That, that I'm sure no one likes to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Gabriel, thank you so much for your insight. If anybody who's listening wants to learn more about Vald or whatever, where's the best place for them to, to go? Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously vault.com is, is, is one. And obviously we have our kind of branches of performance, tactical and health, right? Because we're kind of in all from the, you know, from, from, military contracts, the DOD to then health contracts, the, then obviously sport, um, it's all there. And, um, and obviously feel free to, to, to send me a message, email me at g.manuel at vol.com. And, um, I'm happy to kind of answer any questions and, and, and sort of talk shop if needed, um, um, about anything. I have a passion for, again, anything from rehab to performance in this kind of applied science field. Um, and, 
I'm always up for, 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 for discussions. That's cool. Well, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you all next week. Have a good one. Thanks, Andy.